name of the true and living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Well, let me first begin by saying what a gift. What a gift and joy to be back here with you all at this wonderful parish, Emmanuel Episcopal Church. It's been a great pilgrimage for us all in the time that we've shared together. And I took a little day off, about six months. <laughs> and uh, so uh, when I received an invitation to come back, I was uh, just filled with joy to do it. I mean, it's such a privilege for me to be here. So here we are. Let me compose the setting. We're in the season of Advent. It's the beginning of a new year, a new liturgical year, a new Christ year. It's the beginning for us to enter into a new cycle of the lectionary and a new set of gospel readings. And Emmanuel is on the threshold of receiving their new rector, Father Turtle, in January. May all things go well. But what a gift to be able to celebrate this season and to prepare the way for Christ and also, in a sense, to prepare Emmanuel's way for their coming rector. When it comes to Advent, and particularly the Gospels, I've always been drawn to spiritual wisdom in the text. My, I guess my bent towards things, my style towards things, my yearning and longing and appreciation of the scripture has always been to find the spiritual wisdom. The biblical scholarship is essential, and there are many, many outstanding scholars that I study. But eventually, for me, it has to come down to an interactive relationship and engagement that helps me to live my life, and that's wisdom, spiritual wisdom that we need to lead a more flourishing and more human life. As the vision of the scriptures before us shows what humanity was originally given to be, God's dream for humanity. We need spiritual wisdom. I do, for sure. And so the spiritual wisdom of the Advent Gospel on this second Sunday of Advent gives us the great figure of John the Baptist. And this is, again, the spiritual reality of God's coming among his people. Advent means to come. There was a wonderful poet, if I can say his name, he's a Bedouin, Rabin Dranath Tangore. He was a poet, a Nobel Peace Prize winner as well, in the 1913s. And it was for his literature that he was given the Nobel Prize for peace. And he made this wonderful statement about Advent and the coming of God. Many a song I have sung, and all their notes have always proclaimed, He comes, He comes, ever He comes. Have you not heard His silent steps? He comes, He comes, He ever comes. So first... This gospel leads us to the wisdom of the desert. We're told right at the beginning, Matthew says, that John the Baptist appeared 
in the wilderness, in the desert. Those days. How often do you read the scriptures and realize that many of the great figures, like Moses, even Jesus himself, spent significant time in the desert wilderness? And so what is it about deserts? Why would people make a conscious, intentional effort to move from security into absolute vulnerability in a desert? Why would they go there? One of the best explanations that I have heard comes from Blaise Pascal, the great mathematician and writer in the 1900s. And he really basically said the reason why people go there is to get away from diversion. Most of us, most of the time, distract ourselves when we engage in all kinds of diversions. But deserts are places of no distraction, and that brings you to the great questions of existence. When you leave all the scaffolding of your basic life for a moment and move into a desert space, it doesn't have to be a physical desert, but some solitude or some silence or some time away from your normal routine, a walk in the morning, a walk in the night, and look at the stars of the sky. When you move into a desert place, that's where the great questions emerge. Boy, do we need to understand that in our day and age when we are so distracted. And people want to be distracted because they don't necessarily want to ask the questions. So John the Baptist meets us in the desert. That's the wisdom of Advent. It's meant to be a desert time, a different quality of time and space, to ask the big questions. How is my friendship with God? How is my friendship with others? How is my friendship with myself? What is the direction and orientation of my life leading me to today. John the Baptist meets us there. He meets us in the desert. And then there's the wisdom of John's preaching. We're told in the collect, merciful God, you sent the messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance. This is the message of John the Baptist. And repentance is a doorway, a doorway. It's a gateway that we must walk through to enter into a deeper wholeness of life, a deeper friendship with God and with ourselves and others. The word repent has been so damaged, needs a lot of rehabilitation. Um, I'm sure we've all experienced the, you know, the angry, uh, finger-waving kind of repentance that's preached. But the word repentance is a beautiful word. Gerard Hughes, a great Jesuit writer, says that repentance is not a threat. It's an invitation. It's a doorway. And the Greek word there is so important. Meta noete. Go beyond, above the mind, 
that you presently have, that is to say, reevaluate and rethink the way that you're leading your life, you're living your life, get a different perspective, a different understanding, reevaluate your strategy, your strategy for living in light of this new opportunity, this new breakthrough, this new openness, this new gift that is standing before you. Go beyond the mind you have. Because it is a gateway. It's a doorway into another kind of life. And therefore, we really have to get a hold of our ideas about who we are and where we're headed and what we're doing. Because John the Baptist is directing us in our repentance to the reign of God. Repent for the reign of God is available. It's at hand. It's here. And he points us not just to a question, what is the kingdom of God or reign of God, but he points us to the person who is the reign itself. That is the availability of God's peace, justice, healing, inspiration, love, forgiveness, compassion, the hope of the world, what we were created for, created in love, to adore and to praise and to serve and to reverence life, especially God and all his creation. Another kind of life. That's the invitation to go into the desert, to leave distractions behind and rethink it. It's not only a doorway, it's also a pathway. The journey of repentance. Because we have to constantly discover new levels of our ambivalence indifference maybe, or resistance. Again, here from the collect for the day, merciful God who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins. So in other words, each and every day of our life, we have to change directions don't we? I mean, we could easily go in the wrong direction. It's quite natural. I find myself doing it all the time. And so the first thing that has to happen in my mind is to rethink it and say, no, wait a minute. I want to move towards your love today. I want to move towards Christ today. I want to confess my sins. What is sin? We really need the language. We can't get rid of it. Again, Gerhard Hughes, great Jesuit, says, Sin is the refusal to let God be God in our lives. Refusal. Maybe refusal is a strong word, but somehow we get distracted and we want to be perhaps not get so involved. But listen, it's not perfection that we're looking at here. We're talking about faithful struggling to return day by day, season by season, year by year, to this magnificent love, the great love. So what is more conducive to God's deepening love in my life? And finally... We're told that John the Baptist, and boy, do we need this kind of confrontation from time to time, self-confrontation or the confrontation of people we trust, 
John says to the Pharisees who come out to see what's happening, and he, he says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Don't just presume you have Abraham as your father and everything's kosher. There's something more going on here. I baptize you with water as a symbol of repentance, but there's someone coming. He comes, he comes, he ever comes, who is more powerful than I, who has the ability to transform human life through the gift of his very own spirit. See, it's not always or in any really measure up to us. It's God's gift and grace and his spirit that enables us to choose what is more conducive to deepening the life of God within us. It leads to joy. The collect says, so that we may greet with joy coming of our Lord on Christmas. And Romans from the epistle, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the true test of repentance. It has to come back to joy. Even in our grieving, even in our sadness, even in our confusion, even in our lack, Even in our pain, joy is there. So, my friends, the spiritual wisdom that we need is given to us in a brilliant, powerful way in the gospel, in the story of John the Baptist. And my prayer for all of us is that we will take some time in Advent to find a little desert time to let the questions emerge and bubble up and allow God to come to you in a new and fresh way and say, follow me, this is the way, live in my love, let Christ be born in you, amen.